Welcome to another Founder to Founder interview from Gun.io, your source for hiring world-class tech talent. Today, Gun.io's CEO and co-founder Teja Yonamandra sits down with Brian Douglas, founder and CEO of OpenSauced, a service that helps engineers expand their portfolio by contributing to open source projects. Okay, here's Teja. Brian, thanks for thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for for having me. Yeah, I would be curious to hear about your background, like how you got interested in like um, software development, software engineering, like technology as a whole. Like, did you kind of grow up as a nerd? Grew up a single parent household, so my dad was around, but um, he just wasn't in the household, like doing his own thing. Uh, so like, we would live in an apartment complex, and in the apartment complex, there was like a clubhouse, like a pool clubhouse. And then they had a computer set up, like just a community computer, which is like pretty novel, like mid nineties, uh, cool to have. Um, and we would go in there and like watch the older kids, like the high schoolers play Wolfenstein. Um, and they would show us like how we could run it ourselves on DOS, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, cause I'm like, oh yeah, I feel like I'm a hacker. Like at the point I was like probably seven years old. So I'm not like a hacker, but, uh, I could like go in there and play the game myself. Uh, if you know, the high schoolers would let me. Uh, or they weren't in there. So uh, first exposure to computers was then. Uh, I think definitely, I was just listening to um, um, the guy who created CNET. He worked on this product like uh, before that, uh, Encarta for Microsoft. Uh, shortly after that, we got a computer in the house. And I remember my dad had Encarta on his computer. Really? Um, and like we just run through like Encarta, like looking up random facts in, on countries and in history and stuff like that. So like, computer literate pretty early age um, and then got into like almost everything every kid in the turn of the century gets into on like AOL to chat rooms to, to eventually aim and um, and then like played a bunch of games so like source like what was it shareware back in the day we like find a bunch of shareware to do a bunch of random stuff um, but I say all that because I didn't go to school for CS uh, I went to school for finance and the reason that because we didn't have money and I think I figured if like if I can learn how money works, I can make a lot of money uh, like doing finance, like do like financial advising or uh, stock trading and uh, graduate 2008 and did not have an opportunity like to, a job to land uh, during the, the the looming housing crisis. And that all like basically there's no internships, nothing, nothing was going on, uh, especially if you didn't go to school, like a major school. I went to the University of South Florida. Um, so. Yeah, basically did sales for a bit until I was getting my MBA. And then that while getting my MBA, I had an idea for an app. And then I started Googling, oh, I could probably, I know enough. I can learn how to like write code to make an app. Yeah. And I ended up doing it. And like, that's, <laughs> that's like the, the, the rough cliff notes of how I got to getting interested in, in software and uh, eventually taking the job. That's interesting. So you studied finance, got an MBA, and then did you kind of find yourself like getting in, like finding out that you wanted to build an app basically because of financial motivation or is like entrepreneurship? Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't even financial motivation because I think I was, um, I ended up getting like promoted twice in sales. I was an IT consultant. So like the equivalent of like staff engineer, but for sales yep. at the age of 25. So like I was doing pretty decent at that point. Um, I was getting my MBA because I just wanted to go like the next level, like get a, do some like more bigger deals and stuff like that and get like, basically have a name for myself when I walk the door. Cause like, again, 
had no job lined up for me when I graduated college. Knew if I got an MBA, I could have a, at least something on my resume to say, hey, I, I, I'm i legit. Um, but the motivation was really when I was getting my MBA first quarter, uh, we had to do a dissertation on um, a business, basically, like how like inception of business, like origin stories. Uh, and I ended up picking Google because uh, I was reading this book called Ended a Plex. Um, and it was like the early days of Google and well, Stanford and like figuring out like in a garage uh, with the, the Wojcicki garage. Um, and like what I learned is like they built an entire business, like a multi at this point, billion dollar business. Um, Google? By an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Trillion. Right. At this Tri- point. Yeah. Yeah. Trillion at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically an idea with no no brick and mortar, like everything else. Like if you think back in 2013, when I was doing this, um, the majority of like the biggest businesses were like, oh yeah, we started a restaurant or we started this or like I have a car wash or whatever it is. Like it was always like, you got to put in some investment, build a business and then you're good. But they had an idea, got adoption and then built a business up later. And my thought was like, what if I could just build something that like at the like 2013 social networks were definitely pretty mature at that point. So I had an idea to build the Yelp for churches. Um, right. There's like a whole longer story, like where me and my wife, we had a, a son that was very, born very early. Um, so we were looking for some sort of uplifting, something to do on the weekend uh, and find the church locally, uh, but not having a lot of context and churches locally, like it, Yelp for churches. Yelp at that point wasn't really good for churches, just for restaurants. Um, so I uh, thought I would just build that. And that, that's the app I ended up Googling how to build. Got you. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Um, I I definitely resonate like a lot with that story. Like my my mom's also a single mom. My dad passed when I was pretty young. And uh, like in our house, like uh, my mom was very financially motivated. I mean, you kind of have to be if you're like in the US and, you know, and I feel like I inherited that. So I certainly... Yeah, when I was young, I didn't think that I'd be working in technology. In fact, I like remember this moment vividly where like I'm in college and like you get to choose your major. And I like look at all the people that are like in the engineering school. And like I look at the people in like the arts and sciences, like liberal arts wing of the school. And I'm like, all right, these like engineers and like are and like pre-med people are like way overworked. Like their GPAs are like really bad and like they seem like they're not getting any sleep and they're not able to like work out. And so I'm like, why would I do that? Like I want to just get good grades and like also have time to like sleep well and hit the gym and all that stuff. (laughs) Ten years later, you know, we're both running, you know, products for engineers. So um, yeah, yeah, it's just funny, but I definitely resonate um, with that story. Um, cool. Okay. Where'd you grow up? Florida? I grew up in Florida. So outside of Tampa. So grew up on Tampa road. And it's funny. Cause like now I feel like, cool. like Florida is like definitely overrun with like way more people there. Yeah. Uh, so when I say Tampa road now, people are like, Oh, I know where that is. And then I can get like way more granular and be like, Oh yeah. Palm Harbor. Dude, our VCs are based in Tampa. Like our oh, really? institutional round we raised. Yeah. They're based in Tampa. They're in like small the, world. Yeah. They're, they're like next to. They're in downtown Tampa next to the... Probably near University of Tampa? Um, They're like by the Hyatt. It, and like maybe, okay. maybe a mile from the Edition Hotel. Okay. 
You know, yeah, yeah. So I mean, Tampa's not that big. So if you're near the Hyatt, then you're probably like I know there's a WeWork right there. It, yeah. It's funny because growing up, Tampa was like a dead, like all southern cities. I don't know if if you grew up in the south as well, but all southern cities were just dead cities. Oh, yeah. And now t- Tampa's way more vibrant. Has like a cool little water walkway. Um, Channel sides like complete like reborn again. Um, it's like the. I'm blown away whenever I go back there and like I see people like base their companies out of there or like I find engineers that I know of that are living there full time. And growing up, I, I left Tampa, I, I guess going back to my story, like I, I took the did the MBA, learned how to code, but ended up taking a job in San Francisco. And I left because I needed to I wanted to grow faster. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it in Tampa. No doubt. There's like a lot of I mean, there's a lot of line loss in terms of information and also like this the pace of the city at least the national i can't speak about tampa and you know i think yeah because i i haven't lived there but i definitely so, so uh what my co-founder he came to visit once he was based in berkeley and he's like bro like how come everybody's stopping work at five here because we were, we went to like the like some co working space we were working out of, and like the lights were shut off at like you know five thirty or something like this, and most people left. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. That's just the culture here. He's like, yeah, that's like you know people get in at around nine in, in the bay and like grind until nine p.m. You know, that's just how it's done. So are you in, so you're in San Francisco right now or uh, uh, Oakland specifically? Okay. Well, I was just in Tampa in November for like the funds annual meeting. And we had a blast. Like, and there's some solid companies out there right now, like, like killing it. Like, big Series B is like the classic Silicon Valley, like 30 million Series B type of thing, you know, doing it. So, yeah, they, they have like a accelerator, like the Tampa Wave accelerator, I think, um, exists. And um, I think so they have Techstars Miami, which I know a lot of folks from Tampa went down to Miami to do Techstars now. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a different scene. I, I, I'm not as in, involved. I, I go back home and I, I hang out with family. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not as involved in the scene, but like, uh, like between Tampa or Orlando, I think there, there's a bit of like a vibrant developer community uh, yeah. that's worthwhile. Like, so like 10 years ago when I moved to the Bay, uh, to San Francisco in particular, I, I made the decision because I wanted to level up faster because there wasn't a lot of stuff happening for developers yeah. in like Tampa, Orlando. So the, the irony is like, I used to always tell people, yeah, you got to move if you want to like make an, make an aim for yourself. I think that's completely different today. Um, and I don't know if, if I made this, the switch today from sales to now, uh, in the engineering field, would I have moved? And uh, that's something I, I reflect on a lot. Cause like now I'm here, I'm raising two kids, uh, they go to school. Like I, I'll probably be here for the duration, like until like an exit or something that affords me to like have more flexibility, uh, in the schedule. Um, I, I just get a lot of value in being here next to where all the VCs are. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Have you, have you guys raised a round of capital like from West coast VCs? Yeah. So we did a bunch of West coast angels. So a lot of folks I know who are like founders uh, of companies, our our actual seed round, uh, which we haven't announced, uh, is actually East coast, ironically. Got you. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I think, you know, you know, it's interesting. It's like the capital um, sophist- like level of sophistication that I've seen from like VCs, particularly in the Southeast over the last couple of years, as like folks have basically fled California and New York has like um, 
has significantly increased because I remember like we started the business maybe a decade ago, bootstrapped it, you know, and talking to VCs like when we were super early, like they just like you, it wasn't even known outside of the developer community, like what open source was or what we were trying to do, like why the, why this problem even existed. And now yeah. I feel like more and more, um, folks like actually understand it, you know, um, but I'm sure you didn't really run into that issue on the West Coast because, like, you know, people understand kind of what you're what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes and no. It's like I, I I ended up seeing something like I spent almost five years working at GitHub, so like jumping around the story a bit. But yeah, um, I my job was to lead developer advocacy, so I was meeting with open source maintainers from all the biggest enterprises, top projects everyone's heard of, all the maintainers you've heard of. Yep. Uh, and like limited, not even limited to like from Python to JavaScript, like all of them. And it was a common thread of, we would love to get more insights into our open source. And yeah. as we were building a product to basically level up engineers and get them to do open source, we found an opportunity, which is you can't level up engineers with having, without having a place to, sh to show them to go level up in or to get the job. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we level up companies? So there's a trend happening right now where more and more startups are starting with open source first. If you check out any of the batches of YC, you'll see more and more open source companies now submitting applications to YC and getting in. Now, this is a good trend because the scale and velocity of what you can do and grow through open source is off the charts. Now, I and that is an aha moment now because like we've done the pitch uh, and I think folks are just now getting wind of it like competitors. Um, but for and like the reality is like folks only go certain to a certain degree because like if uh, the assumption is open source is all free um, as a Libre, no money really. Uh, but the reality is like we're, we're currently on, we're using Streamlabs, which is now hosted in like a web, uh, web RTC, whatever, uh, powered by open source on right. the cloud, right. uh, all these cloud applications all get funneled into getting tons of sponsorship from Google, Apple, Facebook, Netflix, uh, all that money goes somewhere and it's to fund full-time engineers to keep making the stuff work. Uh, so that way the entire internet now, or the entire cloud is now getting leveled up, uh, and it's all being powered by open source because like if i'm going to choose like webrtc or something else i've never heard of like i'm going to choose the thing that has the investment in like the power like the kind of contribution so 30 years ago yeah or even 10 years ago you'd be like oh, i don't know open source you sure uh but now it's it's obvious like if those who know know and uh those who don't know they'll figure it out in the next five to ten years what like was the original driving like problem that you kind of stumbled upon with open source? I mean, did you kind of figure out like during your time at GitHub or how did you kind of come up with um, your business? The original goal, so I, I worked at a, at a company called Netlify. I was employee number three uh, and I was engineer. I built out app.netlify.com um, and I, I liked doing open source. Like my goal when I joined Netlify was to do a conference talk and I did a conference talk that I did a bunch of meetup talks. Uh, and then I had a goal of like, I just want to do more open source. Now, if I had an open source plan, uh, which is like free for maintainers, but like, you know, you got to let people know about this. So while making contributions to random open source projects, I update the docs to like, what does this uh, change? Um, and then link Netlify in the PR. So like, hey, I made a fix. Also, by the way, if you want to see this live, here's a link to Netlify. Uh, I did this like with like at the point, like 10 to 20 PRs at a time. Um, so I need a place to like coordinate or have a CRM basically for managing my outreach and my contributions. Yeah. And on GitHub, it's kind of hard. Like you have a pull request list, 
um, it, it exists today. It didn't exist before. So like you end up just building your own tools to manage your own contributions on open source, which is a common thread at enterprises and for individuals. Um, so once I built that, then I was like, oh, let me just call this something. So I got the domain opensauce.pizza where I could see all my open source. Um, and from there, it, it turned into like a community who also like folks wanted to also do the same thing because I shared at GitHub Universe at their conference about this. Uh, and then I ended up getting a job at GitHub because of this this application. Oh, cool. Um, and then what I learned is, again, that sort of gap of, it's cool to like push people to do open source and rah, 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 good for issues, Hacktoberfest, but like you got to have a place for them to land. And it's very clear that the enterprise is also valid. Like they, they invest money in the open source through back channels and through conferences, like they see the value. Uh, so like if you can, uh, if you can basically look at your, co- like the open source you leverage and attach that to revenue. Yeah. Uh, like if Node.js misses a release or doesn't ship the thing that you need them to ship so that way you can make WebSockets work by native, uh, which is like what, what you can do that now in Node.js. Uh, now you have to go look at other alternatives or build your own alternatives. So like did you, you chose JavaScript on the server side, or you, did you make the wrong decision? Basically, it's a question as an engineer, CTO, you got to ask yourself, do we need to move to Rust? Or do we need to move to something else that's actually getting more contribution? Uh, so if that's the case, there's a, a direct correlation of value that we're, we're exposing. So basically, like the, the real reasons I wanted to do open source, uh, what I found is a lot of other people want to do open source. And then what I really found out is that companies also want to find these people who want to participate at that level. So... Are you the sort of solo founder or did you start it with some friends? So I, I, I left GitHub on sabbatical and was like, hey, I'm going to build this thing. Like I, I already built open source, um, but I needed to build the version I knew was going to be the thing that companies would pay for. Uh, so I told my manager I was going to be leaving and he's like, no, nah, do a sabbatical. Like you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so I did a three month sabbatical, built this with a couple of hand, like a, some engineers I contracted uh, during the summer of 2022. Yep. And at that point we had an app yeah, like we had a new app and we had a customer, uh, which was DigitalOcean. So we we contracted DigitalOcean to support Hacktoberfest data. Um, this was really just for the DigitalOcean team. So we never exposed this publicly. Um, but it was really, how do you see 563,000 PRs that happen in October? How do you see who they are, where they're coming from, where they're going, and how much is spam? And like those are the questions we were trying to answer uh, that we were able to answer uh, that summer. Um so ended up hiring a founding team shortly after that, after I left GitHub. Uh, so like we solo founder, but I do have some folks with significant equity who came in pretty early with me. Cool. Dude, I'm disappointed you didn't come to us to hire this contract. And I'm sure you love me some good people. But, you know. Yeah, you'd be surprised like the network that I've, <laughs> I've amassed just by doing a bunch of these podcasts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I would, I mean, for selfish reasons, I would like you to come use our product and just like, tell me feedback at some point i'm always curious so um yeah for sure we're it's funny enough like we're also actively hiring one engineer right now um and like we the pipeline went quick like literally first week of january got five people uh just from like some quick uh twitter dms uh and now they're already completing their their technical screen this weekend and uh we'll have final interviews next week this is a question that i feel like um founders get who do you who do you go to for problems like do you go to your investor network that like have invested do you have like an independent like executive coach like how do you deal with like oh shit shit's on fire i need to talk to somebody 
it's this thing I, I think about a, a lot too as well because like solo founder and like now we're at a point where we're scaling so i'm like oh man yeah it'd be cool to like lift this and hand it to somebody else or like another co-founder just like run with it yeah and just know intu- intuitively that okay this needs to get done because this is like this is what happens in the business yeah um I will say like my first two hires, I've got a elite engineer uh, and then I've got a person who runs operations. Like those folks, uh, I treat them as co-founders. Like even right. though they don't have co-founder level equity and like that, like had the conversation up front was like, hey, we're, this thing's already started. Do you want to come in like with some some beefy equity that you can work towards? Um, so what I've done is set up like a leadership team where these are the folks I, I, I chat with weekly, uh, at minimum weekly. Um, so it's one-on-one separately all together uh, at least once a week. Uh, and we're just staying up to date, like talking about what's wrong, what's not going going well, what's going extremely well, like just kind of sharing wins. Uh, and these are the folks that also I can trust to, you know, go learn how to get taxes running for Ohio because we've got a, a teammate who started in Ohio in September. So like all that stuff I can hand off to a certain degree. Uh, and then what I've been doing in the last six months is like 100% sales. Um, so, like just focused on just doing that, knowing that the entire rest of the business is still moving forward. That's what I like doing too. I like like having the operations run and like the product, you know, roadmap being executed against. And I, I genuinely like conversations like this and then also sell, you know, although I do miss, I do like miss, I don't know, like actually writing stuff and having my hands yeah. in, in the copy as well. I don't know, whatever. I, I, I I missed that as well. And uh, so I was reading this book. Um, I just finished it actually this morning. The the Power of Giving Away Power. I don't know if you've read this one. No, but that sounds cool. I'm going to read that. Yeah, it's actually, it's a lot of the things that I, I've kind of done organically already, just learning from other like really good managers and leaders. Uh, but it's the idea of like getting people to feel invested to go do a thing without needing to go micromanage or and like providing feedback in a way that like brings people along for the ride as opposed to like the jack they did like not really understanding like what to do next and um so what i i love to do is like like my designer uh mentioned uh they were contract with us and then they came on board full-time in the summer mentioned hey i'd love to like expand my product managing experience like cool you lead product now um we have a product sync every other week you're not driving it i'm not doing it anymore um and like to see them really thrive in that moment of like, okay, now they own it, they can share designs and they can get feedback, uh, but also they're all customer calls with me, um, taking notes, providing feedback, showing designs. Uh, I treat them as if like they're on the same level as me because then I can see if they can handle it. And if they can't handle it, it's like, cool, let's just like take a pause. Uh, but in this situation, like they were able to like take it in stride and now they're like, my partner in crime as we go have conversations with large enterprises about what we haven't shipped yet. What surprised you about building your own company? Honestly, like almost no one knows what they're doing. Like <laughs> it, it's, it's a reality that you kind of have to like own and realize because oh. I'm talking to folks uh, at the largest, largest enterprise level. So I, I rattle off a bunch of things, but uh, so use your imagination, no deal close. So can't, can't confirm or deny. Yeah. Um, but like you get to that level and like folks are like, oh yeah, we we just put our finger up in the air and like we just know what we're doing is working. Uh, but when we when we're able to show people like, hey, we actually figured something out. Here's like a here's a journey, here's a story, here's a metric. Like one of the things. So uh, I'll mention this. Uh, so read between the lines. But um, Microsoft TypeScript. It's a it's in re- repository. Um, 
0% of contributors to Microsoft's TypeScript library come from the outside. So if you're a first-time contributor, if you don't work at Microsoft, you're not getting a contribution to TypeScript. And that's like very clear when you look at the data. Um, but when everyone's like, oh, I want to do open source, I'm going to contribute to TypeScript. It's like, oh, well, hold on, slow down. Or I'm going to contribute to React. Like, okay, hold on. Let's look at the actual real numbers. Like, what's the chances of this actually happening? Yeah. Uh, first, maybe get a job at, at Microsoft or Meta, uh, and then you'll be good. Or go try somewhere else. Uh, but if you look at VS Code, VS Code is the number one first-time contributor project on GitHub. So if you're looking to organize, like, energy, connection, driving folks to, like, pat out their resume with contributions, go to VS Code. But then the, the other, if you were to look at the data, it's not VS Code, it's VS Code plugins. So because there's some native plugins within the or, like within the repository, you make contributions to things about like the extended libraries. And like the and it's like the um, I use this analogy all the time, which is like if you want to get in the NBA uh, and you find out that LeBron James is playing pickup games across the street from your house, you're gonna be at those pickup games. Like you're gonna be like watching games every evening on on TNT and TBS or whatever, whatever channels they play it on. I use YouTube TV, so I don't even know what it is anymore. Um, but like, you're gonna watch and you're gonna like learn and you're gonna see the process. Like, the entire league has changed. Where now it's not just about you know driving to the to the the, uh, the hoop. Like, it's also about your three point shot. It's about how you play defense. It's about taking charges. Um, but like, if you don't see how the game has shifted, like you're gonna still be playing like it's 20 years ago. And I think with engineering, it's the same thing. Uh, but it's also with working with like a startup, it's also the same thing. It's like everyone assumed that GitHub was going to build exactly what open source is building. But as of last Friday, GitHub shut down the actual product that would have built open source. Um, so that like, again, like you only know as much as you know. And like, once you really start painting the picture for people, then they get like the aha moment. Uh, and then it's like, you just pay the path. So starting a company, what I didn't know is like, kind of honestly, everyone's coming in pretty naive. Yeah. Uh, so if you just come in, actually there's a, a, na- a saying that I, 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 I hear all the time, which is, uh, well, I used to hear all the time. The man with the one eye is king in the land of the blind. Yep. And like, it's like startup founders is like the same thing. It's like, dude, just open up one, one eye and you're good. Like you're, you're better than the majority of the other people sitting around you. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. How do you spend, so how do you spend your time? Like, like given the average day, like what's your day look like? Man, it's it's changing a little bit this year because like we have a bunch of conversations that are active that we need to close or or, or move on and make calm lost. Yeah. Um, so I did like before the end of the year, constant customer discovery conversations, showing off Figma is like getting folks excited about our product. Uh, we have a uh, five design partners now, so like we're now focused on just having those conversations with those five companies uh, and not doing so much outreach and um, uh, basically biz dev. Uh, so now what I'm doing is uh, I'm doing way more product design um, in like research and development, basically. So like we we have a bunch of these metrics. So I, I rattled off like these uh, TypeScript and VS Code, like in statistic, there's a rate of self-selection. Um, so it's it's in the concept of open source is like how many contributions happen that are not part of you or, or your organization. And a quick, quick calculation that we were running uh, on projects. Uh, but then like engagement ratio. So like, how do you know if a project like the, I was talking to a co-creator of Kubernetes recently on a podcast and he was saying that they wanted to make sure that when you walked to the Kubernetes, you could tell it was a good neighborhood. 
Yeah, like all you want to know is like, is this a place I can hang out in yeah. or not? Like, how do I know not to even like walk in here? Yeah. Uh, so like the engagement activity, repo health, like this calculation, I was doing a bunch of statistics basically like on the regular. Um, so now well, I'm saying it's changing because as of like the new year, I've actually been working on a side project to validate some new data we've been using. And the reason for that is like, I don't want to block engineers with my code. Just build a little side project to like prove a concept what I'm talking about or what I'm what I'm I'm seeing in the conversations, uh, and then the hope is to hand this off to the engineers to then run with. So, are developers able to see basically like where to kind of prioritize their time to drive, let's say, you know, maximum contributions, like to to get exposure, build their network, all that stuff. So, if I'm a dev. I can use open source to basically help like, you know, make my time like just better used. Yeah. It, yeah. For the most part, like if you're, if you, so today it's going to be much easier if you already do open source, because we can just show you what you're doing already. Gotcha. Uh, and they, the caveat is also, you could see where open source is happening. Gotcha. Um, but the recommendations we do have, uh, so we, if basically if you tell us like if you're a Python, like you want to know Python, we'll recommend you projects based on. Uh, one signal, which is new contributors. Um, so this is something that also, again, this is like sort of inside baseball knowledge that everyone doesn't know yet, but they will pretty soon with open source. Everyone looks like stars as a metric of like success and yep. whether a project is, is notable or should be paid attention to. Yep. But the better metric is new contributors. Yep. Uh, even better metric, a, a metric is uh, new contributors outside the organization. So yep. outside the rate of self-selection, new contributors, because that shows a trend. Yeah, and those new contributors also come from companies like a Google or Facebook, then that's a, even a better trend. So yeah. the thing that we, and this is all data we, we we're working on a, a, a new, ch like an open source 2.0 basically that will ship silently next week. Uh, and we'll have a larger announcement once we get some design partner feedback. Um, but the idea is like you have a, a dashboard where you can see all this data um, and have a good idea of like if you want to engage developers or if you want to level up your own career like you could choose that adventure uh, within our pro our product and platform. That's cool. That's it's so interesting that like GitHub has access to this information and like they have not like they have not decided to like showcase this valuable information. In fact, they yeah, they down, like what? <laughs> like there's a blog post on mine. I call it Minding the Gap um, on Open Source Blog, uh, and it, it talks about GitHub deprecating this little feature, which is organizational level insight. So you have an organization yeah. gun. You could see all what's happening across, like everywhere the light touches, you can see it gun. Um, they're shutting it down because of cost reasons and because of AI reasons. So like right. GitHub completely shifted to shipping open AI engagements and uh, producing more Azure compute and stuff like that. So it's like everyone knows, like we can just say it out loud, um, but they would need to rewrite the entire thing to in, in order to make this work and make it viable. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've got I've got a bunch of other details about this, but like, uh, I'm happy to say that like we talk to GitHub very regularly. I'm so well connected, uh, and like we're we're very much prepared to absorb a lot of this interest and in these type of metrics. Um, and it really comes down to like Microsoft acquired GitHub 2018. GitHub's focus has been how does this how does this make sense? Sure. Uh, so what made sense was GitHub Actions, Action Compute, um, Copilot, Code Spaces, more act, more Azure Compute. Um, and then now OpenAI's partnership, like, I don't know if everybody realizes if you take a step back, like OpenAI 
like prior to Copilot, like it was it was cool. Like Dolly was cool, like a, a whole par- parlor trick. But the first like realistic commercial offering was GitHub Copilot. Right. And the way this worked was GitHub was approached by Microsoft, who was approached by OpenAI, thanks to the investment that built something with GitHub and OpenAI. And Copilot was what, what came out. And uh, it it turned out to be a really, really good investment for all parties involved. Uh, so that that focus that happened in like the end of 2021, um, roughly early 2022, um, that focus has now been shifted and that's the main focus. So like when you talk about these insights or talk about tech debt, there's not an investment right now because GitHub is on the pathway to profitability because uh, they, they're not profitable today, but like they're going to get there uh, very, very quickly um, because now they have a very, very strong focus on how they, they turn that, they turn the, the black into, into green basically. So if I'm an engineer, how do I sign up to open source and like, where do you want me to go? Yeah, yeah. So open source.pizza, uh, connect your GitHub. Um, so you have to have a GitHub to, to use open source. We do that now. And this is frankly, because we had the conversation about recruiting and like, do we want recruiters to be on open source yet? It's like, uh, if they have a GitHub, like they've already crossed the chasm of like, okay, you can, you can swim in the data and like have fun, but we're not catering to recruiting right now. Um, so we only have login with GitHub. Uh, and then once you log in with GitHub, you select uh, in the wizard like what languages that you're interested in. Uh, so we're continuing to filter uh, the developers that actively want to participate in the ecosystem. Uh, and then from there, you can see your contributions that they exist. If not, there's a recommendations tab. We can see repos to, to contribute to. But the one thing that I always I tell, because I used to mentor at a bootcamp, mm. the best thing you do if you want to make an open source contribution is go look at other PRs. Yeah. Look at Quest. Uh, so we have an activity tab if you want to look at just JavaScript or Python uh, on the Explore page, look at open PRs from other people uh, and then start seeing who's making contributions. Because the other game is like, if you see people making contributions, that's a future mentor. Um, and that, that's a, my entire career has been open source interacting and people who know more than I did telling me how to do things and like showing me the way. Uh, and this me just being helpful in the entire conversation. So. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a, a YouTube video and blog post around this like conundrum of like bootcamp grads and folks who've been laid off who are like, I need to find open source projects to contribute to. Like, where do I go? And like, the answer is like open source, but the answer is like also maybe don't ask the question. Like, maybe first go look at open source, or maybe go build a project, or maybe look at the stuff you're using. Yeah, uh, like you check there first um, because like. Everyone wants to start at React or TypeScript and make a contribution there, but no one wants to start with like the project opened up yesterday. Yeah, just got a bunch of traction that has no documentation. Yeah, one thinks to go there first, level up, and then you're like you can make the contributions in a place or get the job you're looking for. Yeah, that's awesome. Where can people find you on the interwebs, sir? Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm Bdougio on on the Twitter slash X. Um, we'll figure out what, what's going on over there, uh, <laughs> and then. Um, at this point, I'm on GitHub, be Dougie on GitHub. And honestly, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mentioned I have a YouTube channel that uh, Open Sauce itself has a YouTube channel. We've been doing a podcast called The Secret Sauce, where a lot of the stuff I discovered um, is talking to founders in open source, talking to maintainers in open source, asking them where their success is coming from. That's um, Again, like you asked the question of like what things I learned. Like the best thing I did when I started was we didn't ship any code. When I started my sabbatical, we started a podcast. Oh, well. The reason for that is like once I started talking to people about what's good with them, then I knew what to build. Well, well. But a lot of times you're like, I'm a founder. 
I know everything. I'm going to build the thing that I think everyone is going to love and use. Yeah. And then you spend two years like shopping this thing around, trying to figure out like why no one wants to use it. And like, it's super pretty. It's got a ton of animations and, but you didn't tell anybody about it or ask any questions about like, would you use this? Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Sweet, man. Um, appreciate your time today. This is an awesome conversation. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Happy to, to hang out with you and, and, and check out Gun pretty soon. You're listening to the Founder to Founder podcast powered by Gun.io's Frontier Network. We release a new episode every Thursday morning, so be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you stream your music. Please leave us a review and share with your friends. You can follow us online at The Frontier Pod or drop us a line at team at gun.io to get in touch about hiring world-class tech talent. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.